Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Two places, Ephesians chapter 3, Galatians, Ephesians, right there, Ephesians chapter 3. You don't have any notes, but these verses will be on the screen. If you're a note taker, grab a pen and get something to write with because I'm going to share some things that I think would be powerful for you to take home and chew on. And um, you can always go back and re-listen to this or watch it again. The other place that you can put your finger in if you're a good fast flipper is Acts chapter 20. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts chapter 20. So two spots that we're going to look at for now. Ephesians chapter 3. And Acts chapter 20, and we're going to just trust that the Holy Spirit's going to help us, help me, help me to do this the way that he's kind of working in me right now to do this. So before we go any further, let's pray. We're not going to do the Bible declaration. We're just going to pray. We're so desperate for his help. Would you just agree with me as we pray? Those of you that are watching, agree with me. Father, we're just so desperate for the teacher the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that the focus wouldn't be on me, but on the Holy Spirit and what He's saying through me. Father, I'm just so confident that if you can use a donkey in the Old Testament, you can use anybody today. You can use me today. So I'm leaning on you, Holy Spirit. I'm so desperate for you. We're so desperate For you to speak a word in due season. A word from the throne room of heaven. A word that the church today needs to hear. A word that's going to bring us revelation and transformation. It won't just be informative. It would be transformative. It wouldn't just be words that fill our heads but words that penetrate deep down into our hearts. God, we're so desperate for the Holy Spirit and we're so tired of just doing church as a religious activity. So I'm asking that the Spirit of life, the Holy Spirit, would stir us this morning as we lean in to Him and as we lean into the Word and we open our hearts and we're receptive and ready to receive. And Holy Spirit, I thank You that You're going to speak to us now. Individually and corporately. In Jesus' name, we all said, Amen. Some of you may know that the book of Ephesians is written by the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul is a spiritual father. He started many, many churches, and he's written so much of the New Testament. And the Apostle Paul knows some things in relationship to the Holy Spirit and receiving revelation from God. And the Apostle Paul is writing in the book of Ephesians. And if you've never studied the book of Ephesians, and if you look at it closely, you'll notice that the book of Ephesians is divided in two parts. It's six chapters. 
the first three chapters really deal with your position in Christ. Because before he tries to get you to practice who you are, he needs to convince you of who you are. So he really leans into position before practice. It has to be more than just trying to do the right thing. It has to come from a revelation of who I am as the right person now in Christ. It's so important. So he takes time. And then we get right in the middle in chapter 3 where he's about to make an adjusted change from position to practice. But before he starts talking about the practice and how you need to live, he shows this this powerful prayer. And the title that I feel like the Lord's given me for this message is A Pastor's Powerful Prayer for God's People. A Pastor's Powerful Prayer for God's people. At first, I thought this will be called a pastor's prayer for his people. And then the Holy Spirit corrected me. No, those aren't your people. None of the church belonged to any pastor. So I couldn't go with the title, a pastor's prayer for his people, because the Holy Spirit reminded me That y'all are God's people. That's more important. You're not my people. But I do have a role as an extension of Jesus who is our great shepherd. So a pastor's powerful prayer for God's people is the appropriate title. And I want to read verses 14 through 19. And I want to show you some things that I caught from this other pastor, but then I want to go a little further as I feel like the Lord's leading me to share some things and what would be appropriate for us as a church. So I'm reading out of the New King James Version. It will be on the screen. And then we're going to jump over to Acts chapter 20 for just a second so that I can highlight something. And then we're going to come back and we're going to spend the most of our time here. Reading from verses 14 through 19, the Apostle Paul, before he makes this shift to practice, He brings this powerful prayer and he says, For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we know that the posture of this particular prayer, of this pastor's prayer, is a posture where Paul and any pastor who prays this prayer is humbling himself because he realizes that he's so desperate for God and for God's help that he drops to his knees for this prayer. I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So everyone who's been born again that has come from the spiritual DNA of the Father that's already in heaven 
and every single one of us that are on this side of heaven. That's what this means. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That includes us. Verse 16. Here's the prayer. That he would grant you or give you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints, that's the family of God, what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Come on, somebody say, that's a powerful prayer. Man, if just a little bit of that prayer came to pass in our life, we'd be ahead of the game. This is so powerful. And I believe that the reason the Lord is really putting this on my heart as a pastor's powerful prayer and that he's convicting me, he's reminding me, he's encouraging me to really pay attention to this is because, first of all, as a pastor, if I'm not careful, I can begin to pray for other things that are seemingly good things to pray for. While all the while missing what I would consider the most powerful types of prayers that I need to pray for. For example, now I could pray for people to be set free from addictions. That's a good prayer. Nothing wrong with that prayer, right? I could pray for people to experience financial provision and breakthrough. I mean, that, that could be a good prayer. I could pray for people to have a desire to read God's Word. Come on, how many of you believe that would be a good prayer? I could pray for people to come to church on Sunday. Based on what we're looking at right now, that's a darn good prayer. Right? I mean, I could pray for people to be healed. Physically, that's a good prayer. We need those prayers. I mean, I could pray... I could pray for the children of our families to make a decision to be good and be obedient and follow their parents as they're training them in the things of the Lord. That's a good prayer. Parents, wouldn't you agree that's a good prayer for your pastor to pray? That would be a good prayer. There's a lot of good prayers that a pastor could pray. And I think that one of the ways that a pastor is supposed to help his congregation, his family, those that have been entrusted to his care, is to have a strong prayer life. But to be praying in alignment with the Holy Spirit, while at the same time having a strong prayer life, is, I think, far more valuable than just praying all kind of prayers that aren't in alignment with the Holy Spirit. I need to be praying prayers like a sharpshooter. Like targeted, not a shotgun. Because I believe that the Holy Spirit can show me 
hey, you need to be praying these prayers for your people. And it might shift at different seasons, but there's something on this prayer right now in this season that I believe resonates with me. Let me tell you another reason why I think this is so important. Not just because a pastor should pray powerful prayers, but because a pastor has been charged to care for his flock. And it's not something that we should take lightly. Look at Acts chapter 20. Hold your place, and we're going to come back. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts chapter 20. And it just so happens that in this text, Paul is gathered with the leaders and the pastors and the elders of the church of Ephesus from the book in which we read that prayer. And Acts chapter 20, verse 28, he's talking to the pastors and leaders and elders of the church in Ephesus, and this is what he says in Acts 20, 28. Therefore, take heed, pay attention to yourselves and to all the flock. That's the body of Christ. Those are the people in the family of God. Those are the people in the church. Among which, listen, the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Now, I don't know what your version says, but mine says overseers. But I looked at that because I want to make sure I communicate it clearly. It doesn't mean someone necessarily in charge, hierarchically speaking. It's not referring to someone who holds all the power and he's calling all the shots. He's not referring to that. This word overseer is the Greek word episkopos. Episkopos. I'm going to tell you what it means. It means to be a watchman over God's people. It means to be someone who's looking after and caring for with a tender, compassionate, spirit-filled, spirit-led, protective, nurturing, healing heart. That's what that means. So this is something that is so important for every pastor, not just me, but I'm referring to myself right now. He says this is what the overseer should be doing from that place to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his blood. Wow. That's a charge. That's, that's, that's a big deal. I'm supposed to be shepherding the flock. I'm supposed to be shepherding Lakeshore Gastonia. Everyone who's here and everyone who's not here who identifies with this house whether they identify me as their pastor or not, as long as they're still identifying with this house, I've been charged by the Holy Spirit as an under-shepherd, as an overseer, as someone who is supposed to watch for and care for and nurture and shepherd the flock. What does a shepherd do? A shepherd feeds them, he, he nurtures them, he, he prays for them, he encourages them. He binds up their wounds when they're broken. 
He, he, he points them to the ultimate shepherd. I'm not the shepherd. He's the shepherd. But I'm an under-shepherd, and part of my role is to care for the flock, to oversee, to watch, to look after, to care for. But I can't do that to the degree that I'm supposed to do it at if I don't first pay attention to myself. Did you notice that he said that first? He said, take heed to yourselves. He didn't say, care for the flock first. He said, care for yourself first. What does that mean? Well, I think pastoral self-care is supremely important. I need to be in the Word. I need to be praying. I need to be worshiping. I need to be taking care of myself. I need to be studying the Scripture. I need to keep learning and educating myself. I need to take care of myself physically. It's important. Because if I can do that with God's help, it will enable me to care for you and all of God's flock at Lakeshore Gastonia to the degree in which he wants me to. So this is a charge to me as a pastor. It's important that I take this seriously and that you pray that I would. Okay, let's go back to Ephesians. Look at this prayer. Let me tell you why it really, really stuck out to me because all of those things that I told you I could be praying for, and by the way, I do, there are so many people in our church that I pray for in many, many different areas. I, I pray for the kids. I pray for the parents. And, and my heart really, really goes towards some of the people that I know are struggling. They're in addictive chains. Drugs, alcohol, and other stuff. I don't need to go in all of the names. There are people I know in their mind they want to be here, but there's something keeping them from stepping into a deeper place in the things of God and the family of God. There are people that are struggling in life, looking for peace, looking for fulfillment, looking for satisfaction. And we know at the heart of all of that is a relationship with Jesus. And so I'm praying for these people. And then when I was looking at this and after I had listened to that pastor share some things from this, it hit me. All of those other things that I'm praying for really are a result of this prayer being answered. Because if this prayer is answered, I believe the Holy Spirit will help all of us with all of those other things that we might be struggling with. Let me show you what I mean. Let's identify from this text four prayer points that I need to be praying. By the way, let me just say this graciously, parents and grandparents, this is not limited to a pastor. Uh, you're an overseer. Your kids, your grandkids, this is a powerful prayer for you to pray over your kids and over your grandkids. All of those different things that kids and grandkids could be struggling with in school. How many of you know there's a lot of struggles in school today? If we could begin to zero in by the power of the Holy Spirit on this prayer, it might do away with all kind of other prayers that we won't even need to pray because this one's got answered. Let's look at it again. Look at it. He says, for this reason, this reason which, in which he's going to talk about, the, the prayer. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Prayer point number one. 
that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner person. Prayer point number one for the pastor who's praying a powerful prayer for God's people. It's not that they would be set free from addiction. It's not that they would just be healed in their mind or their body. It's not just that they would win the lotto. It's not just that they would get a house or a car or find fulfillment. No, no, no. Prayer point number one. God, I'm praying in the name of Jesus that you would grant your people to be strengthened with might through your spirit in their inner person. That word strengthened means to be empowered. And if we have any, any inclination of understanding what kind of power it is, the next word where he says might, it's the Greek word dunamis that literally means power from God. Power that comes from God. Power that's beyond their ability. Power that they don't have in and through their own efforts. Power that they could never just will or imagine that they would have that would help him to get to the next level. Paul understands this as a spiritual father. And he's saying the very, very, very first thing I'm praying for God is that your Holy Spirit would strengthen them deep down on the inside of who they are. Deep down in the Spirit, there would be a strength, there would be a power of the Holy Spirit. This power that's from heaven, this power that's beyond their natural strength, This power that supersedes the temptation to sin or to get off track because we know that that only and all the time leads to death. But we don't have the power. God's people, you don't have the power. So that's why he's praying. God, let let me rephrase that. If you're a Christian, you have the power. But he's praying that God would unlock, unleash, that you would begin to tap into that power So that power would begin to flow in your life. That's really his prayer. And you can pray that for your spouse. You can pray that for your kids. You can pray that for your grandkids. I mean, if we could just pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would strengthen the spirit of God's people. Strengthen the spirit of everyone who identifies with this house. Things would begin to happen by the power of the Holy Spirit That could never happen if I'm just praying all kind of other prayers. Because it's the Spirit who releases the power. It's the Spirit who goes to work in them. It's the Spirit who goes to work in us. I I believe that's why when Jesus sent His disciples in Acts chapter 1, He said, you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit when He comes upon you. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that we need so that the best and the fullest of God can become part of our everyday living. So that's, that's prayer point number one. Look at prayer point number two that a pastor should be praying that I'm going to be praying for you more regularly and more often. Verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love. Where does love come from? Love comes from God. And the greatest expression of God's love 
While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the greatest expression of God's love. Sending Jesus to die for us while we were still sinners. And he's praying that Christ would dwell in the hearts of God's people through faith. Now, if we've already accepted Christ, he's there. But I want to emphasize this word dwell. This word dwell, when I look it up, it literally means to be at home. Jesus wants to be at home in God's people. You know, have you ever hosted someone to your home? Right? You ever had people over to your home? If you've ever hosted people to your home, you know that there's a way of hosting where people would feel a little less than welcome. They were not quite convinced that you really wanted them there. But they're there kind of because you obligated yourself to open your home to them. It's on the calendar. It's got to happen. So they're just there. That's, that's one way of hosting. Hopefully that's not our way. Amen. But then there's another way of hosting. Where you pulled out all the stops. And you've done everything you can do to prepare a place for your guests. And not only that, but when they get there, it's obvious to them that you've been expecting them. You're ready for them. And it's a pleasure for you to have them. And you are the best hosts. And these people feel like they're at home when they're at your place. That's another way of hosting. That's what this word means. He's praying that God's people, I'm praying that our people would host Jesus well. That Jesus would be welcomed. That Jesus would know They've prepared a place for me. They've been expecting me. I'm wanted here. I'm not just here because they said a prayer. I'm here because they're expecting me. They're desperate for me. They're ready for me. They're waiting for me. And they want me. That's what it means to be a dwelling place for Christ. There's a lot of people who could be religious There's a lot of people who could go to church. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they've made a decision to be a great host for the Spirit of Christ. Amen? How many of you want to be a great host for the Spirit of Christ? Can you see how that's a powerful prayer for a pastor to pray? Instead of me praying, God, have your way. God, do this. God, do that. Jesus, do this. Jesus, do that. You know, in the book of Revelation, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. 
He's not kicking the door down. He's not forcing himself in. This is written to the church, by the way. It's not written to unbelievers. A lot of times we'll hear that from pastors giving a salvation call. But technically, contextually, this is written to a church. I stand at the door and knock. The rest of the verse goes something to the effect of, whoever opens, I'll come into him and I'll dine with him and he with me. Can you see how hosting Jesus and being a place for Jesus to dwell in, it makes a difference. Instead of me praying that God would have his way, that God would do this, that Jesus would do that. No, God, I'm praying that your church, I'm praying that the people of Gastonia, I'm praying that everyone who calls this place their church, if they identify with this place at all, even if they don't really recognize me as their pastor, God, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit would help them, that they would be a dwelling place for the Spirit of Christ and Christ would be at home in them. Christ would set up residence in them. And Christ would be welcome there. And they would learn to, to yield to Christ and to think after Christ and to love after Christ and to fall after Christ. When that happens, they won't do things because they feel like they have to do things. You'll do things because Christ is living in you enabling you, empowering you, compelling you to do things. Paul put it this way, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, there's a difference in, in praying a prayer to get people to do something and praying a prayer where they learn to yield to Christ dwelling in them. Can you see the difference? And so I'm praying that for you. I'm praying that for God's people. I'm praying that for your children by name. That Christ would dwell in them and make his home in them. That they would be rooted and grounded in his love. The power of Christ at home in them. Look at the next prayer point. He prays that they would be able to comprehend with all the saints. Listen, what is the width and the length and the depth and the height? To know the love of Christ, which Passes knowledge. Let me pause there. So he's praying that they would catch something of the width and the breadth and, and the length and the depth. And I, 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 think, I think even though the writer is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I, I think he's using all of these words because he can't come to words in English, that would fully help us to understand what he's trying to say. It's so vast. It's so profound. It's so, 
It's so deep. It's so wide. It's so long. Its breadth is unfathomable. He's, He's trying to come up with a word. Because He wants us to get it. I'm praying that you'll comprehend it. I'm praying that it won't just be intellect. It will be something that gets down deep on the inside of your spirit and you'll have a revelation from the Holy Spirit of how deep and how wide and how long and just how unsearchable this love is. Can you imagine as I'm praying this for people, as I'm praying this for our church family, that they begin to experience this power from the Holy Spirit and He begins to work in them at a level they've never experienced before. And then they're becoming stronger and stronger. And in that strength, they're, they're a dwelling place for God's Spirit. They're a dwelling place for Christ. It wasn't just a prayer. It's not just a religious thing. But they've, they've prepared for Jesus every day. They've, they've welcomed Him every day. And they're learning to yield to Him every day. And they're allowing Him to live instead of them living for Him. There's a difference. One, I'm trying to live for Him. The other one, I'm giving up on that and I'm saying, Lord, just live through me. I can't do it without you living through me. That's, that's what's happening here. And then, the, the, this is a play on words, I think. It's, it kind of, when I read this, my mind just goes, like tilt. Have you ever heard that expression before? Tilt, your mind goes tilt, you can't get it all. Notice what he says. To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. How do we know something that is beyond knowing something? We can't through our natural understanding. I mean, he's praying for a knowing that can only come from the Holy Spirit revealing this to us. He's praying for something that we can never know no matter how many times we read it apart from the Holy Spirit pulling the curtains back and giving us a supernatural revelation. When God's people have a supernatural revelation of this love and they begin to know it, even though it's beyond their natural comprehension. I believe it's the love of God that we know that flows from Him, that flows in us, that flows through us, that will satisfy us, that will keep us from looking from attention in an ungodly way, that will keep us from an identity crisis, whether it's being uh, gun-shy about living for God or an identity crisis with what gender we are. It's, it's, a, it's a knowing of God's love that settles you and that begins to flow through you to other people. And, and you're not grasping for something to live for because he, he is everything to live for. That's so powerful. If we could just pray that and we could catch that. And where does he end up with all of this? What's the pinnacle of this powerful Pastor's prayer for God's people. Notice the pinnacle at the end of verse 19. That you may be filled with the fullness 
of God. I'll be honest, you know, when I read that, I'm like, how is that even possible? I mean, here's God, and the Apostle Paul is praying that this God, the creator of the universe, this eternal God, this this God who sustains everything, this God who called everything into being, this God who formed us out of the dust of the earth, he's praying that we would be filled with the fullness of this God. That just blows my mind. And when I look at this word fullness in English, I look behind it, and the Greek word pleureo or pleroma, both of them speak to something that is completely filled up with no room for anything else. A cargo ship, Full to capacity. A hotel room, a hotel, no vacancies. Ladies, your wardrobe closet, no more room. Filled to capacity. Come on, I know some of y'all have that problem already. I know Yolanda does. I can't even hang one shirt in there. She put me in the other room. Husbands, any of you have to go to the other room to hang your clothes, or is it just me? Doug, you can identify. Filled to capacity. How does that relate to God's people? There's a fullness that God wants us to walk in. How could you say that? Paul's praying for it. How many of you believe Paul was praying according to the will of God? There's a fullness... That God wants us to walk in. There's a fullness of the Spirit of God Himself that God wants Lakeshore Gastonia to walk in. Where there's no more room for the enemy to come in to kill and steal and destroy and to deceive and to tempt and to get us down the wrong paths and to get us backbiting and gossiping and hurting one another. There's a fullness for the people of God of God Himself that He wants for us to walk in so that we can experience the very life of God Himself. Zoe. Z-O-E. Jesus said, I have come that my people may have life and life to the full. This is not ordinary life. It's not just walking around breathing life like everybody has. This is about the life of God, the divine life of God Flowing in and filling you up to the point where it's overflowing in your life. And you're beginning to see God move in ways that you would have never seen Him move before had these prayer points not been answered. Come on, if you're with me, say amen. These are powerful. And I know all of you have heard this verse. And unto Him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ever ask or think. It doesn't end there. Look at verse 20. It's not on the screen. According to the power that works in you. You know what Paul did? He went full circle. 
pointed right back to verse 15. Can you see that? No, verse 16. The first prayer point. How many of you would love to see our Gastonia campus at a place where everything they ask for, God does exceedingly and abundantly above because of the power that we're walking in. He, he went full circle. Have you heard that terminology? He goes all the way back up. And he's saying, you got to catch this because verse 20 is connected to verse 16. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Prayer point number one. Being released in you. And to the degree that you yield to that and it's released and flowing in your life, you and I will experience verse 20. Verse 20 isn't standalone. Verse 20 comes as a result of verse 16 and as a result of verse 17 and as a result of verse 18 and as a result of verse 19. Then we get to verse 20. So, Lord, I'm praying that you would help me as a pastor pray this powerful pastor's prayer over your church, over Lakeshore Gastonia. Pray for every single person, every single child, that they would be strengthened with might according to your spirit and only down deep in the deepest parts of who they are. I pray, God, that the Holy Spirit would release his power in your people on a daily basis. And I pray, God, that Christ would dwell in their hearts through faith, that he would be at home in the Lakeshore Gastonia family, that they would welcome him, that they would prepare for him, that he would want to be there and they would want him to be there. I'm praying, God, that God's people at Gastonia would be rooted like a tree and grounded like the tallest skyscraper in uptown Charlotte because it's on a solid foundation, grounded and rooted in your love, and that they would comprehend this love that so deep, it's so wide, it's so high, it's so long, it's unfathomable. We can't even put it in English words. I'm praying that they'll know it with a knowing that goes beyond their human knowing. I'm praying that they'll know it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And because they know it, they'll begin to walk in and they'll begin to experience the fullness of God in their life, impacting every area of their life. Their relationship, if they're married, their children, their grandchildren, their health, their finances, the breakthrough that they need, the chains that need to be eradicated. The full, there's no chain that can hold the fullness of God. There's no lack that can come up against the fullness of God. There's no anxiety, there's no worry, there's no family problem, there's no marital discord, there's no temptation of divorce, there's no identity crisis, there's nothing that can come up against the fullness of God living in and through God's people. Would you pray with me as we close? Father, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you for speaking to us today. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that this wouldn't only be my prayer as a pastor, 
but it would be our prayer as parents and as grandparents. This would be our prayer for one another as family members of the body of Christ. Not to say there aren't other prayers that we need to pray. But this is at the heartbeat of everything you want to do. You want to demonstrate your glory. You want to you point people to Jesus through our lives. And you want for us to live healthy, victorious, overcoming Christian lives. We can't do that without the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do that without welcoming Jesus every day. We can't do that without being grounded and rooted in your love and catching revelation from the Holy Spirit about how deep and how wide and how, how great your love is for us. We certainly can't do any of this without the fullness of God. So we're asking for that now. In the matchless name of Jesus and all of God's people said, come on, amen. Amen, amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.